0: Welcome to the Open Apple Podcast, where we celebrate the Apple II. Whether you're a longtime user, a nostalgic visitor, or a newcomer to the community, join us as we share news and memories of Steve Wozniak's most famous personal computer.
1: Hello and welcome to Open Apple. This is episode 54 for December 2015. This is your co-host the first, CoinDunky. With me as always is co-host the second, Mike McGuinness. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, Quinn, and you? I am fantastic. So we are here with our annual uh, Open Apple tradition, which is our year-end roundtable discussion, where we bring in a few uh, luminaries of the community, and uh, we just kind of talk about some stuff. So uh, shall we? Uh, shall we get started? I can introduce our cast if you're ready to go. Sure, why not? All right. So. Uh, with us, uh, I'm going to be moderating this uh, roundtable, and uh, with us is, of course, uh, co-host Mike, who you all know, Woo! and uh, <laughs> we have uh distinguished Beagle brother, Randy Brandt. Say hello, Randy. Hello, Randy. <laughs> and uh, with us also is distinguished uh, model maker and retro connector maker of Retro connector things, uh, <laughs> the proprietor of option Eight, to Charles Ming. how are you doing, Charles?
2: Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm just going to pause you right here because I think you need to look up the word distinguished um, and also mm. the word luminary. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> I'll, uh, note to self. All right. Uh, and with, along with those two distinguished gentlemen, uh, we've got Carrington. How are you doing, Carrington?
0: <laughs> I'm extinguished. <laughs> we just can't get
3: rid of you.
1: Uh, yeah, you didn't, we didn't spray, spray for Carrington. We didn't spray for <laughs> Carrington, and now and now we now he's back. Oh boy! Uh, all right, gentlemen, uh, let's let's get this party started, shall we? So uh, I wanted to start with uh, an email that uh, I got, well, uh, that we got from uh, a listener, and it's kind of a fun topic. Uh, something we don't actually talk enough about on the show, weirdly, is how to kind of get started with uh, Apple II stuff, and it's actually a question that we get a lot. So, uh, you know, I think we when we were doing the show, we're, we're, we get kind of inside baseball with the news and uh, we forget that, you know, there might be people listening who just are kind of interested in getting back into this stuff. So the question I'm going to start with is from listener Victor, who asks, uh, if I were to get an Apple II setup solely for playing the best games, what should I get? Let's, uh, let's start with Charles. What do you think? I suppose that depends on what your
2: definition of the best games are. I've really been trying to stick with my Apple IIe for my various hardware experiments because it's fairly wide open, um, and there's nothing in it that's too expensive or difficult to replace. But if I were using it for gaming, uh, I would I would open up one of the GSs that I have um, in reserve and do more of the um, the arcade arcade style, the ability to do some of the 16-bit games. Uh, especially with the expanded memory and um you know better sound and uh you know just support for backward compatibility with the 8-bit stuff as well. I I think you get a a fairly stock GS with a memory expansion and maybe like a CFFA or something solid state for storage and then go from there.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's a good thought going straight to the 16-bit. Um uh, what about you Randy? What do you think?
4: Well, I'm a huge 2GS fan, but uh you know, I would, I'd, be a little old school here and i'd say uh you know go back to some of the two uh, plus games to really get some of the origins like oh i liked microwave if anyone remembers that one and uh, oh, yeah. Sa- yeah. that was a fun one and sabotage and uh, mm-hmm. it was an early early pac-man i think that ran on the two plus if i recall correctly uh, yeah gobbler yeah so uh yeah and then and then, of course, you know the beagle thing i've gotta I've gotta recommend some of the creative text stuff that uh Bert did uh some of the I think it was on Beagle bag he had a bunch that were actually moving text characters around to animate, which is kind of a creative way to overcome some of those early limitations, especially when he didn't know uh, how to program an assembly language. So uh, writing a game in basic that uh, moves text around and yet still some fun, playable games. So explore some of those early, early routes.
1: Cool. All right. Going all the way the other way. Uh, Carrington, how about you? I disagree with everyone.
0: <laughs> what, what a shocker. So I'm going to recommend um, to start with a book. Uh, the New Apple II User's Guide, which is David Finnegan's book, and I think if you want to get into the Apple II and you don't have a history with it, this is a fantastic introduction. It's something like seven or 800 pages, and it covers the different models and peripherals and how to hook them up and how to get on the internet with it and what are the basic things you'd need to get started. So if you're coming completely fresh, that's what I would recommend you start with, and that'll help you choose a model. But when you do choose the model, ignore all the earlier advice and go for an Apple IIe. I think it is the, the one that you can pick up the cheapest off eBay. So you're not going to have a huge investment. Um, most likely, it's going to run every game that you want to run other than the 2GS. But the 2GS isn't a real Apple II anyway, so who cares? And um, uh, any peripherals or anything you, you add to that will work with most other Apple II models except the 2C so if you decide you really like it but what you but you really want long term is to invest in a more collectible like older apple II or something um then the drives and the monitor you've picked up will all still work with that and would only be the just the relatively cheap 2e that you'd be recycling back onto ebay or so so i think that's the way to keep your investment low or the alternative would be start with an emulator virtual 2 is amazing and if you just want to dip your toe in apple II games then this is the least resistance way to do it. Virtual 2 is phenomenal and the best emulator I've ever used for anything. And um, then you can simply get disk images, run them on your Mac if you have one. And if not, then Virtual 2 is not going to help you. And um, uh, then just sort of try out the games and get hooked. And once you get hooked, then you'll be ready to invest. So that would be my advice.
1: All right, Mike, what about you?
3: Well, Carrington stole my answer, so I quit. (laughs)
0: That was also my answer.
3: <laughs> I uh, I think the I think the emulator is a great solution because uh, you know you can get um, Virtual Two on the two on the on your Mac for a few bucks, or if you're working on Windows, Apple is totally free and it's also a great 8-bit Apple emulator. It's ready when whenever you want to play a game, you can blow it up full screen. You can define your keys to whatever you want, so you don't have to figure out the IJK l stuff on some games uh, i think with one of charles's uh, retro connectors actually you can plug in your old sc- old school uh, joystick and and play on your modern machine through an emulator am, am i right about that charles
2: uh that is correct and everyone playing along at home drink <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to tell me twice,
3: <laughs> and you don't have to invest in hardware or try to to fix your Apple II if you buy it on eBay and it shows up broken. Apple II's don't break.
1: That's <laughs> that's that's actually a good uh, good a good reason. Uh, yeah, so I was going to play Devil's Advocate a little bit and say uh, uh, with Virtual 2 that uh, yeah, that I think the trick there is you really want a joystick for a lot of Apple II games, and uh, uh, but yeah, that's a great. Uh, Opportunity for for Charles, why don't you plug your products a little bit there? Tell us about what your kind of connectivity options that you've got for for joysticks uh, and emulation. For emulators, you've got the
2: joystick shield. I call it. It's kind of a throwback to when I was working on it as an Arduino shield, but it's a Teensy Arduino clone with a circuit board basically piggybacked on the back that lets you plug in any fairly generic USB gamepad controller or uh, joystick, and it becomes a, no, uh, oh, I'm going backwards, aren't I? Sorry, got too many things. Um, yeah, so <laughs> backing up, it lets you plug in any Apple II compatible joystick or paddles, and it becomes a generic USB controller for a Mac or a PC. And it works pretty well with most games. Uh, the Virtual 2 emulator tries to do a little bit too much on the, the configuration side to make your joystick act more like an Apple II joystick. And so there's some built-in configuration stuff in the hardware on mine. And I keep trying to get in touch with the author of virtual two to see if we can work together on that issue. But for the most part, it works really well. It works really great in Apple win and on the internet archive and their archive of Apple II and, and other platforms as a, a great way to, just plug in any old Apple II joystick presuming that the potentiometers still work and play just right in a web browser play you know Choplift or whatever in your web browser.
1: Oh that's cool. Actually I didn't realize it worked in those in browser emulators so that's, uh, that's probably the lowest possible barrier mm-hmm. uh, barrier to entry there. Well that's 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 awesome. Thanks for your answers everybody. The only thing I guess I'll throw in there is if someone wants to play on real hardware and if they're solely focused on games unlike a lot of us who want to play with GOS and uh, Apple three driver discs for some reason. Uh, hey. the, the other thing I would suggest is uh, something like an Apple IIe and uh, the Apple II game server, which you know, if all you want to do is get games onto the machine and play them, and as many of them as possible as quickly as possible. Uh, The Apple II game server lets you just plug in your audio jack uh, straight to your iPod or your iPad uh, Anything that can browse the web and there's a site you can go to and we'll link to that in the show notes And it just downloads games into memory straight through the audio port and you can just play them So that's a pretty cool way to get started on real hardware as well zero barrier to entry there All right, so moving right along kind of sticking with our theme here. uh, We've got a question from uh Let's call him Listener Patrick. Uh, he's not yet a listener to the show, but he will be. He's a friend of mine who uh, has uh, recently acquired an Apple II Plus, and he has the dilemma that he has no floppy disks. Uh, he got the machine from somewhere, I don't exactly know where, but it came with no disks at all. And he has never done anything with retro computing. He's completely in the dark here, has no idea how to make it do anything at all. Uh, where should he start? Mike, let's start with you.
3: You've got nothing at all. I think it's a little bit process intensive. But the instructions are pretty clear. You can use ADT Pro actually to uh, send send a a boot floppy basically from your modern machine uh, using audio cables over to your Apple II. And then um, if you have now does he have a disk drive, I assume?
1: Uh, yeah, let's assume for sake of argument, he's got monitor, computer, and let's say a five and a quarter inch disk drive.
3: Okay. So either, either, uh, hit up one of your, your friends like Quinn and have her send you a blank disk, or you can (laughs) buy one for a couple of bucks on eBay. Uh, and you can, ADT pro will then write itself onto that floppy. And then you can boot again from that floppy and use it to transfer other software over, uh, that generally you'll either have to then have other floppies, or you'll need uh, something like the CFFA, and you can load up your um, uh, your SD card that way and boot directly to the CFFA, and, and you're off and running.
1: Cool. All right. That sounds like a good place to start. Uh, how about, uh, Carrington, anything to add to that?
3: I would say... Um...
0: One idea would be, if you want to invest a little bit of money, go to a2heaven.com and pick up the SD Floppy 2 from Plemen over in uh, Bulgaria. It's awesome. I love it so much. And then that plugs into your Apple II just as if it was a disk drive. So now you have two disk drives, except one's a little tiny thing that takes an SD card. But you can very easily download SD images, disk images. Um throw them on the SD card and uh, boot right into those and then copy back and forth so that gets you software really quickly but you have to wait for mail from Bulgaria and is a little expensive Um, another way to go would be to spend even more money and go to Kansas Fest because they will hook you up with all the discs you could ever possibly want and help and set you up and it'll be awesome and you will make friends with us and we will eat in the cafeteria and it will be fun Um, so that's my real solution
1: Uh, One caveat there My friend Patrick is super annoying So you may not want him at Kansas Fest (laughs) (laughs) Now I really want him at Kansas Fest Join me Patrick Now is that super Uh, annoying on the
2: scale Of people that already go to Kansas Fest Or is that just super (laughs) annoying In general population (laughs) terms Because those are different scales altogether
1: (laughs) Right yeah let's say on a scale From like Mike to Carrington uh, I'd say he's about a 4
2: So a Kevin (laughs) Savage step.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a he's a, sol- he's a solid Kevin, Kevin and a half. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all right, this scale is nonsensical. Uh, all right, uh, how about uh, how about you, Randy? What are you th- What are your thoughts on this topic?
4: Oh, there's not a whole lot else to add except that I do love my CFFA card. So, I mean, while we're throwing options out there, that's certainly a great one.
3: Let's spend his money. I, I know that there was a a, a recent new run of those cards are they still available or are those sold out completely does anyone know
1: Uh, yeah last I heard there was still a hundred left in the run Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago as of this recording but I'm not sure
4: well you can't go wrong with a CFFA card and I was not paid to make that announcement
1: (laughs) it is true it it works in the 2 plus is that true it works everywhere (laughs) (laughs) even the Apple that's not true (laughs) The CFM is in my Apple 2C. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, if you've got slots, it, uh, it's definitely the gold standard for uh, compact uh, or if you've flash got the storage. slots. If you've got the slots, baby. I use them I've in my
4: the PC, my Mac. I use them in my car. I mean, you, you can use them <laughs> everywhere. It's the ultimate car.
1: <laughs> and I will say, you can even use one on a Laser One Twenty Eight. Because it has an external slot, which is so you can stick it, have it hanging off the side of your laser if you like. I used to have a Ram Factor card sticking out the side of my laser, just sort of hanging there. You had to be really careful not to like put your hand on it, break it off. It was How
4: funny. about the Bosses? Does anyone uh, have one of those yet? Remember those German clone the witch? Bosses? No, it was back mm. early '80s. Never heard of it. Yeah, it was a cool. It was a cool clone. I think it ran. Uh, it, I was going to say Windows. Windows didn't. Uh, what was the uh, – not yeah, CPM. It ran, it ran CPM and mm. Apple II software and had a really cool uh, keyboard with a numeric keypad on it the whole bit. It was a nice machine, but they kind of vanished quickly.
1: Uh, that does actually raise an interesting question. I wonder how many – we've talked on the show about how many crazy zillions of Apple II Plus compatibles there were uh, made, especially like in Eastern Europe and stuff. In Russia, there was you know whole – whole warehouses full of strange brands that we've never heard of. I wonder how many of them uh, would support the CFFA. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, last but not least, uh, Charles, any thoughts on how to get this uh, guy Patrick's machine going with no floppy disks whatsoever?
2: I would say just, uh, yeah, ADT Pro is the, is the sort of gold standard as far as bare metal booting. If he has a floppy drive, You can order floppy disks, you know, blank ones from a variety of places, and download a handful of games or a handful of you know utility applications from, you know, Asimov or wherever, and put them onto discs, and then uh, that is again assuming he has a a working drive, and boot them from there, and have a a pretty standard uh, setup, and be able to play, pretty much right away. As far as the solid state stuff goes, uh, I second the, I guess it was Carrington that proposed the the Plum and... Oh, the uh, SD Floppy 2? Yeah, SD Floppy 2, yeah. I oh, Not only film. could I, I cannot remember it, but I can't remember the name of it, but I've kind of lost track of how many I've bought from him. <laughs> 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 I've bought three or four, and I've given uh, at least one or two to, to people for, you know, either in trade for something at Kansas Fest, or someone that needed something like this setup, said, I don't have any discs, I don't have any way to get stuff Onto it, or I want to try out this thing, but I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Well, you can have one of mine. I have a couple of spares. Yeah, they're awesome. They just it's plug in and it's recognized as a, a disk two. And if you pry open the case of your two C, or if you get the right adapter, it'll go into a two C as well. So it gives you the dual floppy there. Yeah. It, the only other thing that I would say is get a, a good a good solid joystick or a good set of paddles, and. You know, clean the potentiometers on them and clean the buttons up. And you'll be able to play all the games that you remember or don't remember, depending on, you know, what your computer of choice was back in the day. But sticking strictly to keyboard stuff it kind of limits you to the kinds of action games you can play. And, you know, you get that real feeling of nostalgia when you've got the, the good clicky buttons in your hand and whisking the joystick back and forth and trying to get the little guy across the screen. And <laughs> now I'm getting all excited to go play some more games again but anyhow
1: (laughs) how long is this podcast scheduled to go yeah (laughs) all night too 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 long according to roughly half our listeners um yeah i'm glad you guys brought up uh the solid state because that uh that really is uh I think a lower barrier to entry, honestly, than floppy disks, you know, for my, uh, for my 2C, I've been doing uh, just all solid state stuff, and uh, it's just so much easier, uh, especially if you've got a MacBook, uh, you know, it's got the SD card slot right in it, so you just, you know, fire your SD card into your Mac, drag a bunch of disk images off, and have off directly onto the SD, and you stick it in your SD floppy 2, and you're, you're playing games, so that's a pretty low barrier to entry there. Uh, the only thing I would add is, uh, you know, if you want to uh, not mess around with ADT Pro and learning all how all that stuff works, uh, and you're willing to spend some money, uh, you can also just buy people's disc collections off of uh, eBay. You know, people often put up huge lots of, you know, hundreds or even thousands of discs, probably mostly pirated games or whatever. But uh, you can just buy those uh, quite often as well. So that's one more option. So, uh, let's see, you guys have uh, talked a lot about A2 Heaven, and that segues nicely into my next question, which is, uh, yeah, his much-anticipated web store is finally online, and so my question for the esteemed panel is, which of his products are you most excited about? So, uh, I'm just going to kind of run through the list here real quick for anyone who isn't familiar. So, right now, he's Offering the uh, Apple II uh, SAM card, which is something to do with, I assume, that speech synthesis uh, software. He's got the mocking board clone. He's got the D clock to go inside your 2C. He's got the 2C to VGA adapter. He's got the RAMworks 3 VGA extender. If you've got a RAMworks 3, it adds VGA to it. Uh, he's got the TrackStar 2, which shows you your uh, track reouts on your disk drives. And uh, he's got his uh, Ramworks three clone, uh, and I think he's got some more stuff upcoming. There's been rumors of a of EGA card and some other things for the two E. Uh, so let's uh, let's go back the other way. Let's start with uh, Charles. Uh, which which if any of those are you interested in?
2: I don't know. I really don't have much in the way of desire for many of these things because I don't. I don't think I had the originals that they are clones of. The Ramworks is good because it's a new, obviously a, a new hardware for adding ram expansion now he's not the one that has soaked up the supply of the the 19 pin connectors because i I might just try Uh, and buy some from him
1: yeah that's the big mess of wires guy oh yeah
2: yeah Yeah, i think i think either i think the vga adapter honestly because the the monitors you know obviously the monitors are dying off more quickly than anything else and that's really the the thing that keeps me from using some of the machines that I have is I don't have a compatible monitor or the monitor that I do have that's compatible is in such poor shape or just so big and, you know, power hungry that I'd love to be able to plug it into a a standard VGA dirt cheap LCD that I can get off of, you know, the side of the road.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's, uh, very exciting product. I actually have one of these myself, the Apple IIc VGA. Uh, as soon as it was announced, I jumped in and ordered one, and I uh, received it last week. And it is—it's uh, pretty fantastic. So I'm sure we'll be talking lots more about that on the show. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Randy. Uh, any of these that you're—that uh, uh, are on your uh, holiday list?
4: Well, not really. But if I was going to pick one, I'd actually have to second that, and and the 2c VGA one would be the one that would interest me the most. So. Sorry to not be more creative and original, but hey, I got to be honest. That's <laughs> the one I'd be most interested in.
1: All right. Well, uh, in favor of honest uh, for creative and original. How about Carrington? What uh, What have you got for us?
0: Oh, I thought you were just doing the esteemed part of the panel. Um, I already picked. <laughs> yeah, up I the, ran out of them. So <laughs> I picked up the two C VGA adapter as well. Not right away. It sold out before I could get one. I believe Quinn, you mocked me on Twitter for that. But then they <laughs> became available again, so I bought I bought one then. So and that was what I was most excited about. I am now most excited about picking up, I think I'm going to pick up the Ramworks 3 and the VGA extender for it. Because um, then it gives me a VGA option for the Apple II. If you want something with slots and you want VGA, there's not a lot of options for that. So that's sort of what I'm most excited for to pick up. That said, I don't know if I'm going to use any of these things. I picked up the, the 2C VGA one so I could have it. Because like everyone else, I worry about these monitors going away. But I have a problem with using modern monitors, because if I'm going to do that, then I may as well just use an emulator because the screen and what I'm looking at is so much part of the real hardware experience, but those monitors are going away. So I'm sort of stocking up on VGA options for the disappointing future when, um, when these things don't work anymore. So I'm not really excited about it so much as I'm resigned to it. Um, and I think the, the Ramworks plus the Ramworks VGA combo, looks like a good one. So I'll probably pick those up next.
1: Yeah, the future is indeed disappointing. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's definitely some of that for me too. That I'm a lot of the stuff I buy not necessarily because I want to use it, but because I I'm pretty sure I may want it someday. And this stuff goes away. You know, people run out of free time, they change jobs, they stop, they get out of the hobby, whatever. The people making this stuff, and uh, and then it's just it never is available ever again. So. Uh, I think uh, I've been uh, burnt a couple times with uh, small uh, hobbyists producing this stuff, not getting it when I could. So uh, I think uh, I'm pretty interested in the uh, D-Clock, actually, for the 2C. That's a pretty mm. cool thing.
0: The 2C uh, VGA adapter will also be handy. I think a lot of people will be using that at Kansas Fest because most of us want to bring a 2C and then a little tiny monitor, and it'll open up a lot of monitor options for travel um, yes. with this adapter, I think.
1: Yeah, and uh, the other thing, uh, you know, uh, Flack has talked about this, uh, Rob, Rob O'Hara on his podcasts, that uh, he likes this stuff because he's got, you know, a, a dozen retro computers in the room. And if you have to have all the monitors, they take up huge amounts of space. So if you can have one, you know, modern monitor that you connect everything to, uh, then that saves a lot of space in your retro computing layer. Uh, all right, well, Mike, I haven't forgotten about you. What do you think? Are you super excited about any of these uh, A2 Heaven uh, products?
3: Actually, I'm going to go uh, a different way here and say uh, the one that interests me most is the TrackStar, um, nice. so This is actually a clone of a device that was made um, back in the 80s. And um, all it did was show you, uh, it would give you a, a red LED readout of the track that your disk drive had was reading or writing at that particular moment. It was recommended a lot in computist magazine because it helped you find out where the protection routines were running on the disk at and where it actually is, as opposed to where the protection was trying to fool you into thinking it was and that sort of thing. But there was, it was a, a very Zen like experience after a while, just watching the the numbers flip back and forth uh, across the tracks. And, and um, I haven't, had one of these in a long time. And, and so I've really missed that. And I'm looking forward to watching the little red numbers.
1: <laughs> does, anyone, Ooh, does anyone know what, <laughs> do those devices have a, like a specific purpose that they're built for? Like, is it, I guess, is it useful for cracking software or is there something that they're originally designed to do? I
3: think it was mostly to um, help people crack software, so you could see where uh, routines were loading from and where where information was being stored and and, and recalled.
1: Okay, for all that cracking I do, that's going to be handy. <laughs> all right, what about you, Clint? let's see. So, uh, I guess uh, yeah, I think uh, the next one in line is like I say I've already got the two CVGA. Um, next one in line is probably the uh the d clock for me as well, okay um, yeah
3: you're one of those two c weirdos
1: <laughs> yeah i do like my d it's just so pretty <laughs> uh, do you have a do you have the s d floppy two for your two c i do not actually oh, now that you so mention good. it yeah you know i i'm actually in the market for a new uh flash storage solution i've been using my unis disk, which i quite like mm. uh, and i'm actually gonna Experiment with uh, you can upgrade the old one to the new Unisdisc Air, um, and I'm going to experiment with that so you can actually load um, you know disk images over Wi-Fi. Uh, and I'm considering uh, experimenting with just installing it right inside the two C. Um, but uh, I've been having some trouble with my Unisdisc. It uh, uh, The latest firmware version, it doesn't seem to work with uh, SmartPort, Uh, so I have to go back a couple of firmware versions to use SmartPort, Uh, but then the newer firmware version is required for some other features, so I'm kind of in this weird uh, middle zone, I'm I'm having to switch my firmware back and forth all the time with it, which is uh, not exactly convenient. So uh, I was actually considering, uh, this might be blasphemous, Considering what Charles just said about uh <laughs> big mess of wires uh, buying up all the uh, precious remaining floppy disconnectors, but uh, I'm considering uh, buying the floppy emU, which seems to be quite a quite a nice full featured thing. Does anybody have one of those?
2: I do I've got it uh, hooked up to uh, a Mac and it works remarkably well as a floppy replacement for classic macs
1: hmm okay. Cool. Yeah. It's surprisingly He kind of came out of nowhere with that thing. I mean, he added Apple II support to it and, you know, added disc two and, uh, smart port support for it, uh, right out of the box. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and two GS and
2: Lisa and yeah. you know, the, <laughs> uh-huh. the two coconuts with a string between.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it seems like pretty much anything that uses that connector, he uh, he supports now, which is pretty great, uh, considering he has the remaining world supply of those connectors. <laughs> That's uh, pretty handy. Uh, There's more than a few of us that are uh, bitter about that. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. The next thing I'm curious about is uh, the Uthernet 2 is uh, some pretty big news that happened recently, and I'm curious if any of you have it and or are excited by it or planning to use it. Uh, let's just, I'm just going to throw that one out to the panel. I won one. You won one? Yeah, you at Kansas Fest.
0: That was my uh, prize. Yeah.
5: Oh.
1: Have
0: Go you used me. it? Nope. <laughs> 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 but I really like it. <laughs> it looks awesome, and I'm sure I will use it. <laughs>
1: Wow, that was super lame. Anybody else? I actually have three. Three, wow.
2: Uh, two of which don't work. Um, oh, and, no really? <laughs> and, and one that's actually a, an official um, working released one. I'm working with the, uh, the creator of the Uthernet, um, whose name escapes me, and I apologize to him. Uh, Glenn I, Jones. Glenn, thank you. Um, yeah. I'd forget my own name. If uh, it weren't <laughs> tattooed somewhere on me. Um, yeah, uh, I'm working with Glenn on doing, uh, a, a, a light pipe extension for it. So you can see the blinky lights out the back of your case instead of having to have the case opened up to, to read the lights on it. And so he sent me a couple of, um, sample boards that failed tests so I could use them for, um, uh, fitting and, and, uh, uh measuring and whatnot. And I have used it to the extent that I can make it work and blink and try and connect over the network, but the version of ADT Pro that is required for it is not the officially next version of ADT Pro. And uh, I know David Schmidt is working on an official support for the new Uthernet 2 because it has its its own built-in IP stack and it's very different from the original. And so I can't get the software the sort of unofficial version to work. So I'm just putting it on the back burner until David comes out with official support for, I think it's like version 2.0.2 is going to support the Ethernet 2 uh, of ADT Pro. And then from there, it's going to be, that's going to be how I get disk images onto actual floppies and do that because serial cards are just so passe now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) should be fast, I would think, eh? Faster than... Serial.
2: I think once you get to the the top end of serial, it's about as fast as it's going to get on the the mm. Apple II side. It does allow me to hook it up to any machine on my network, as opposed to the one machine that I have that actually has a driver for the USB to serial adapter and an old mm. enough version mm. of OS X that it still has the <laughs> driver for that USB to serial <laughs> adapter. Um, yeah. Whereas if I can do it over my network, I can do uh, I can send ADT Pro stuff from my laptop, which is wireless but still on the same network as the wired router, and not have to worry about having adapters plug into adapters and old drivers and things that when I reboot the driver goes away and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Uh, Ethernet feels like a more stable way to connect to retro computers rather than serial ports because, yeah, serial ports, they keep getting harder and harder to keep working. Yeah, you need more and more obscure adapters and, like you said, the drivers and so on. So that connection is getting very tenuous. So, uh, yeah, if we can switch to Ethernet, that feels like it's going to be around for a little longer. Uh, well, that's uh, that's funny. That makes three of us then that have Ethernet twos we're not using, because <laughs> I also have one. <laughs> um, I actually did a, a, a board exchange with uh, Glenn. Um, so if any of you follow my blog, I uh, recently built a ROM dumping tool for for the Apple II, and. Uh, to rip my uh, 2C plus ROMs and uh, he, uh, I was thinking about doing a run of them if anyone wanted one and uh, he was interested so I gave him uh, an official number 2 board that, uh, that I built in exchange for a new Thronaut 2. So I was very excited to do that. Uh, it's a very cool card. Uh, but I don't—I uh, only have an Apple IIc at the moment, so I don't have anything to put it in. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I will have something else uh, soon, uh, I'm sure. And again, under the heading of uh, get it while you can before the people that make them stop making them. And then you'll never be able to get it again, and you'll be sad. All right, so uh, I got one more. Well, anyone else want to pipe in on that topic? Randy, Mike?
4: I have no Ethernet cards that I'm not using.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well put. Noted. Okay, so I'll update my records. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about the future a little bit. Um, are there any upcoming Apple II products, events, or things that you uh, that you folks are looking forward to? I'm going to throw that one out to the panel again.
3: Definitely Kansas Fest, but that's an easy one.
4: I'm, tr- I'm trying to get Antoine to come from uh Brutal Deluxe.
0: That'd be great. Oh yeah. That'd, That'd be a lot of fun. We'll
4: see. He uh he's got lots going on. He's got three three boys that are elementary to early high school age, so they've got their sports and things that keep him busy, but they would like to visit the States and uh he may be able to work that into a family trip and come. That's what we're hoping anyway. We we had a great time with them in Paris and Spent some of it trying to convince him to come to Kansas Fest, and I told him if he comes this year, then I will too.
1: So, well, you have to tell us that story. What uh, what were you doing in Paris hanging out with Antoine?
4: Well, I was in Paris hanging out with Antoine. What else? No, um, as, one yes, as one does. Yes, <laughs> as sure. one does. one didn't you see my picture with Olivier at the uh, Eiffel Tower? It was in the. Uh, I posted it in the group. You can find it on the uh, Apple II group on Facebook. But anyway, uh, no, we did a we did a trip to Europe. I did kind of a little. Band of Brothers tour hitting some of the D-Day beaches, and then uh, of course you got to go to Paris if you're going to go to Normandy. And uh, if you go to Paris, you got to hang out with the Brutal Deluxe guys. So we had a great time. Had a little barbecue in his backyard. Spent the night uh, uh, at his place, and uh, hung out with uh, Olivier and him the next day. So we had a very, a very brutal yet deluxe day in Paris.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you guys talk well, shop bum- and you know set up a? You know a um a Beagle Deluxe sort of um, collective there. <laughs> well, we
4: we didn't set up a collective, but uh, he did prepare a wonderful barbecue, and then but in order to partake, uh, I had to sign some old products for him. So <laughs> it was it. No, we had we had a great time. He's got a wonderful uh, wife and kids, and we really really enjoyed our time with the Vignol family.
1: Uh, is there going to be a Beagle Brothers themed scene demo uh, forthcoming? <laughs> I
4: can only hope. The big news is that Olivier just had, his wife just uh, apparently had had twins here a month or so ago, so kind of an exciting, wow. exciting, more little Brutal Deluxers the next generation.
2: <laughs> Brand new Apple II fans. Well, congratulations, Olivier. Speaking of Brutal and Deluxe.
4: I think that's what he named them, <laughs> but his, his wife may have overruled that.
2: <laughs> oh, please let that be true. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm trying to get all three Olivier's in the same place at the same time because I think they're all really actually just one person.
2: I know I get them mixed up all the time, too. (laughs) I probably did it on this podcast or another podcast and and, uh, uh, offended one or more Francophiles. I I think we've done it
3: almost every episode. Antoine has to write in and tell us, nope, that's the wrong Olivier. (laughs)
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we've we've referred to various Olivier's many times and we have gotten them wrong every single time. So uh we're 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 batting zero on our French Olivier's. Well the
4: one I know is the tall one, I think. I think he's the tallest one of them.
1: We also have a nasty habit of attributing things to Antoine that, that he didn't do. So he's always very right. grac- <laughs> gracious to correct us on that. Well he <laughs> is it's he like, is nope, the French Apple II guy. <laughs> the, <laughs>
4: the one. <laughs> Definitely the most active one on Facebook.
1: Uh, so let's see, how about uh, how about you, Carrington? What are you looking forward to this, uh, this coming year in the Apple II world?
0: Oh, it's all Kansas Fest all the time. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. You know, all I do is spend 11 and a half months waiting for that and then really enjoy it and then go back to waiting for that again. No, mostly the reality <laughs> is I'm actually, it's weird because I don't know what I'm looking forward to, but I know it's going to be awesome. And here's what I mean by that. It seems we're at an accelerating pace where every year I am surprised and delighted by both the software and particularly the hardware that comes out. It, we're living in this crazy Apple II golden age. Um, so I have no idea what's going to come out. I, I don't even understand how the things that have come out already have done so. If I could go back in time 10 years and say, well, here are all the things that will be lying around for you to purchase, and you won't even necessarily buy them all because there's so many awesome things out there. I would be shocked, shocked, I would say, and I'd also wonder how I came back. it's like oh my goodness um so i'm positive there's going to be amazing new things in in both the soft and the hardwares and um so i'm excited about that it's just I, it's kind of like christmas i know amazing things are coming i just don't know what's going to be under the tree but i bet i'm going to love it
1: all right that's nice uh undirected optimism (laughs) expect no less from carrington
0: it is my skill
1: So uh let's, uh let's get a little more uh, specific and uh give Charles another chance to plug uh anything upcoming uh from Retro Connector that you want to talk about Charles. Now that it's December, I've finally
2: announced or released just about everything that I talked about or pre-announced or made promise of at Kansas Fest this year. So uh it's going to be all new stuff for 2016, all new all the time. See, told you? I, I, do ha- I do have a few things on the the drawing board and I've got some some fun little hacks that I'm, you know, one-off kind of things. But the thing that I'm actually excited about, um, to stop talking about myself for one or two minutes, is the Bard's Tale Remastered and some of the oh, other mm. things that um, Rebecca Heineman has been working on essentially as a result of being contacted by the Apple II community. And sort of being reinvigorated with the, I guess, the hardware that she was um, used to developing on, but also getting hold of the source code and the rights from so many publishers and other developers that she can now basically spend the rest of her productive life, I suppose, working on new things for the 8-bits and reinvigorating old... uh, ideas like Bard's Tale and, you know, any number of other things, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a you know, a 4K surround 5, you know, 5.1 channel task times in Tone Town with immersive <laughs> VR and, um, you know, the 360 degree sound. Um, but just the idea that the community that we're in as small and seemingly insular as it is can reach out to someone like that and they have no idea that, oh, hey, Kansas Fest is still happening, and people are still excited about this stuff that I used to do, and they actually know my name. Um, So, yeah, we we were all, uh, I think, except for, well, I'd say we were all there, but not all of us were there, Mike, at uh, Kansas Fest when she did I her keynote and was talking about <laughs> all these things and <laughs> announcing the stuff that she was working on and, and that she had uh, basically stumbled back into. So when she dropped the mic and said, "Oh, and here's Space Ace yeah. compiled <laughs> for the 2Gs from Source," I'm like, "And Becky rocks!" Absolutely. So that kind of yeah. stuff—it's just the—it's amazing to me the kinds of things that are coming, coming back around, um, either as a you know a retro and nostalgia kind of cyclical thing, or you know the originator, the the developer of these these titles that we all know and love is actually still out there and still in the software development game um, hasn't moved on to um, you know farming catfish or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah that's a, that, that's actually a great angle I, I hope we see more of that you know in in the near future that might be something I'm looking forward to is maybe seeing some of the other uh, the other greats getting back into it you know we've certainly seen some of that of course with Randy here and, and Rebecca and uh, it'd be awesome to see. Uh, uh, oh well, we um, the uh, we just spoke to David Schroeder last month. Uh, he's you know he's back in the scene, kind of retro scene with uh, with Dino Egg's rebirth, and um, you know it'd be great to see. I don't know if we can convince Bill Budge to uh, get his hands dirty with uh, with bits again, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, this kind of stuff is uh, is great to see. I think uh, you know the uh, it's, it's contagious. You know this this retro kind of enthusiasm. And I think as the community grows, we kind of uh, draw more and more of the veterans back in, hopefully. Uh, Mike, anything to add to that?
3: Well, I'm looking forward to to uh, it, continuing to evangelize the Apple 3 uh, and reminding everyone that it's a much better platform than the Apple 2. Um,
1: just have to oh, pick it up. Wait, hold on it one sec there, Mike. And... I got I to gotta drop my mic. There we go. Okay. My <laughs> <mic quickly laughs> there, so. Quinn, Sorry. can you ban him? Drop Do it. you have to... <laughs> <laughs> Hey! <laughs>
3: Uh, interestingly, I've been um, with the um, the frustration that built up in me over my computer's inability to play Fallout 4, um, largely because I haven't invested the in, in hardware powerful enough to play it. I've gone running back to uh, to Wasteland, the original, oh, so good too, and really, really enjoying the experience and being uh, really surprised at how well it's held up. Some of these games, like you know, you have great memories of them, and then you you boot them back up again. You're like, oh. Oh my God, why did I like this? Um, and Wasteland uh, w- wonderfully has not been that experience. And I've also Wasteland been, completely holds up. It's yep. amazing. And I've also been playing another one, which is a little bit more obscure, I think, than Wasteland, but it's also by uh, Electronic Arts, or maybe it was Origin, um, 2400 AD, which is sort of a science fiction y type Wasteland yes. game. Yes. Oh, I love uh, that game. Mm-hmm. And um, I've really been having a great time uh, re- rediscovering some of the old joys of my youth.
0: Are you playing those on your Bob
3: Bishop's Apple II you just got on eBay for
1: $17,000? $17, <laughs> $17,800. Oh,
0: well, yeah. yeah. For you, that's like your round. Pocket change. <laughs> I got that in my wallet
1: right now. <laughs> did did that sell for, or is that auction yep, yep. still running?
3: Nope. That, that ended a day or two ago for $17,877. Wow. Was that a record for an Apple II? Actually, like a regular no. Apple II? no. No, there were a couple of Rev Zeros that sold a year or two back. One sold for like $25,000, and the next one a week later went for $24,999.
1: Oh, so this was a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Couldn't afford not to buy this one. Wow. Well, <laughs> and what's, what's kind of surprising about Apparently, this? Apparently, I
0: could afford not to buy
1: it. <laughs>
3: uh i mean it it is number 13 um so that's certainly saying something and it was bob bishop so there's some some provenance there but it's interesting because the the plastic shell has been replaced it this is his original one was one of the ventless cases and i guess it kind of got yeah i wondered melty about that on, it got melty on him and so he
1: had it replaced
3: <laughs> melty
1: I, I noticed in the pictures it had the the vent holes and uh, i was pretty sure his his didn't for pinkster early serial numbers so i wondered what the story was there yep
3: Although, in his case, he didn't go on eBay, buy one, and replace it. He actually uh, had Apple replace it for him.
0: As one does. Yes.
3: (laughs) What were you going to say, Carrington?
0: Oh, just like how it's Bob Bishop and you go, it's got a bit of providence there.
3: Just, you know, (laughs) that guy did, I think, one or two mm -hmm. things. He might have have done some, like, mildly interesting graphic stuff way back when. I don't know.
0: Maybe the first...
3: (laughs) Oh,
0: not just the first, I think the first four graphics games. Like right. Good enough to be the first, make the first one,
3: make the and, next three as well. And better yet, he would start at six o'clock in the evening and have the game done in the morning. Yeah. Well, that's how you get the first four done. <laughs> you gotta beat everyone to the punch.
0: Uh, what I found like neat about the auction was actually the letter that came with it. His employment offer for Apple. Like, Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. was very interesting.
1: That was neat. And uh, show of hands, who, who did the math on the salary? Just to see how that compares to software engineers today. <laughs>
3: I did not but it sounds like it sounds like somebody somebody did Quinn.
1: It was uh, it was pretty comparable. Um I didn't uh, it's yeah the inflation calculation is a little hard to work out because you got to factor in cost of living uh for, uh for the bay area and so on but uh uh yeah it uh, hasn't uh, changed that much actually. It's a pretty pretty solid offer.
0: <laughs> it's the it's not even the 31k a year he's making it was the 3000 or 4000 stock options. He was getting like that's where the well, real yeah. money would come in like yeah. after before all the splits and stuff so it's the many millions of dollars in stock that that would be worth
1: yeah yeah if you hung on to those that uh that would certainly be amazing not like uh what was, what was the name of the third founder who sold his stock <laughs> in like for six months or something for and then went and joined <laughs> the Beatles,
0: but got kicked out of that before they got famous <laughs> and, yeah that right.
1: guy
4: poor guy ron ron something or other
2: Ron Wayne, yeah.
4: Yeah, Wayne, John Wayne's little brother.
2: <laughs>
3: he so, says he's uh, perfectly happy with that and didn't didn't uh, never look back.
1: I think I think you would have to tell yourself that at this point. <laughs> if yeah, I had maybe sold so. Apple stock for pennies or so something in 19 yeah, in 1981, I would have to tell myself that in order to live with myself, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, totally totally meant to do it. <laughs> yeah, unless you're
2: unless you're a winkelvoss or something.
0: Right.
1: Yes. <laughs> Winkelvigh.
0: One of the Winkelvigh.
1: One of the Winkelvigh. Uh, I, oh I think gosh.
2: the proper germanic uh plural would be winkelvossen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will apologize to them.
1: that's why Charles is on the show today. <laughs> I mean, <come> on, <laughs> well, that's not, why their name's not
2: Winkelvoss yes. and you don't winkle you, you don't you don't pluralize voss. You don't winkle. <laughs> <laughs> Not on this show, mister.
1: <laughs> uh, then I'm just going to add an our edit Our German mark there. conjugation <laughs> segment with Charles. <laughs> uh, edit mark quit, there. Put
5: that in maker. the bloopers. That's a that's definitely
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you quit and Mike are privately texting each other like, what have we done? <laughs>
1: Alright, well, we've drifted a little far afield here from Apple II. Uh, so to bring us back around, uh, uh, you guys were talking about Wasteland there and how it uh, holds up really well. Uh, after we, we talked to David Schroeder last month, I uh, I got really into uh, Short Circuit. I fired that up and was playing that. And that's another game that just really holds up incredibly well. Uh, that is a fantastic game. Uh, do, um, do, do the rest of you guys have any uh, games or other software that you still fire up and just are... Pleasantly surprised at how well it holds up and how fun it still is?
4: Apple works, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still actually, uh, I well, we've pretty much finished the conversion, but uh, had that client in New York for Jack Friedman for 20, 23 years, maybe 24 years. Anyway, he was using Apple works until just very recently, although he didn't play any of the, uh, you know, didn't mess around with any of the, Fun screensavers or, or things like that, but he used it to run his business, and I just ported it over to a uh, a web based uh, um, application that really looks a lot like Apple Works. So every time I run it, I kind of feel like I'm back in Apple Works. So.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So there's now a web version of Apple Works in the world?
4: Pretty much, it does a lot of the same stuff, yeah. <laughs>
1: is that is that available for someone to go look at or is it was it just a one off for this client
4: Yeah it's just it's very specialized he's a uh, horologist watch watch repairman swiss watches and so everything's very custom for that but it has a lot of app works style things like going from multi record view to single record and you know zooming back and forth and those sorts of things like in the uh, in the database it doesn't do the spreadsheet or word processor it's the app works database essentially
1: wow well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How about, uh, how about the rest of you? Any uh, games or applications that you still fire up? Lots of games, because
0: my favorite sorts of games even back in the day were RPGs and also um, text adventures. So um, I love the old CRPGs, Wasteland and you know Dragon Wars or whatever. So I finally hold up, and I like playing that style. And text adventures hold up because they were just text, and the text is still legible, so it's still awesome. So hooray <laughs> for everything Infocom did. Um, <laughs> And, but then also, one of my go-to action games is just as good as the first day I played it, was Prince of Persia. Uh, that game never gets old and never gets bad, like Load Runner. Like they're just perfect games, perfectly executed, and I'll probably continue to play them forever.
1: Do you play the Infocom games on real hardware or in emulation?
0: Yep. No, all about real hardware, all about ripping open the real, release the 80s air and play... <laughs> an actual one. I like the feelies. So, and it's, you know, that whole nostalgic experience. I, I want to be on the old monitor. I want to have the, the feelies out. I want to be frustrated as heck. And I want to spend six months trying to solve them because <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to be.
2: Yeah. I don't think, you, I don't think you can properly get Babelfish unless you have a, a good mechanical keyboard typing it with you. Um, exactly. It's, it's just not the same experience um, on a, you know, a MacBook with the, the, the super slick low profile keys it has to it has to have you have to actually work at it
0: green phosphor <laughs> helps me think so <laughs> I,
2: need, I need that I, yeah i still that's, that's i still see the it, go ahead Gwen.
1: oh i was gonna say that's interesting because i wonder i've been wondering if there's a, a line with text adventures where people will be more inclined to play it on emulation because like there's the the infocom collection you know on ios now so you can play like almost every great infocom game Right on your iPad, and I feel like with text adventures, you know, the experience would translate really well to modern hardware because it is just text. But uh, it's interesting to hear you guys express the exact opposite opinion.
0: No, no, because it's so much about having your—you gotta have your map spread out and all your notes and all the feelies—and there's a whole bunch that's required of the game that's outside of the computer that needs to spill over your desk, and and like that's I think a big part, especially with Infocom. Anyway, Uh, that's a big part of playing the games I find. So what's on screen is only part of it. the rest of it is the the real world stuff that makes it fun.
2: Yeah, that makes it extra fun. Yeah, the green phosphor and the the graph paper, and mm-hmm. uh, you know your pad full of notes where I was in this room and it did this and then I did this and, and now I'm in a twisty maze.
0: Oh, I'm a twisty maze and I'm cursing <laughs> and here are some new words and I like, guess try to map this. They say, um, yeah. So for me, it's that experience.
2: I don't know if it's, it's sort of on the always on that it's two years out, it's two years out kind of thing. But when I was younger and I remember playing the games and trying to do the narration in my head, especially with Hitchhiker's Guide, because I had seen the, the, the TV adaptation, the BBC TV version, and heard uh, Simon Jones' voice. And um, you know that's the, that's the narrator that I heard in my head. And I always wanted to have the computer read the descriptions to me in that voice and narrate it and be able to say, go north. And then it would say, "You are now in the Spaceship Heart of Gold," and have the that voice recognition and text to speech um, pattern back at you. Um, and I'd love to see someone make a. I guess it's the Z Machine Interpreter. Is that the is that what it's called? Yes, mm-hmm. um, one. Yep. In a a really good text to speech engine, and have voice recognition to where I can I can talk and have it describe the the rooms back to me and read out the action and things um because that would be as immersive as it is in my head being able to sort of close my eyes and just talk and listen like an like listening to an audiobook and have have that um sort of wash over you that's that's the experience that I always wished for when I was playing the games uh the text adventure games because the graphics were in my head and I had to make up the voices and and um you know, imagine what the character, as they were saying things, what they were, you know, how, would, how they would talk, that kind of thing, or how they would, you know, walk from room to room, that sort of stuff. Hmm.
1: Well, that experience certainly seems plausible. You know, the voice recognition is certainly good enough these days to 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 do that. So I wonder if someone's done that.
0: The issue is, I also would want Peter Jones, like the original radio guy who was the book, um, to read it. He's he's dead, so <laughs> it's gonna, it'll mm-hmm. be a bit of an effort. Well, but they can do the what technology's they with, not but, that
1: good yet. Uh,
2: do what they did with Roger Ebert and basically come up with his. His phonemes or whatever, and, and give him a custom voice. I sense a, I sense a Hackfest entry. I sense a Kansas Fest Hackfest <laughs> entry.
1: Gonna have to up your game next year, Carrington. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Good luck with that, guys. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's funny. You guys mentioned the, uh, you know, the the note taking and the maps and stuff. Uh, I think I had actually forgotten how much of that w- was the experience. You know, uh, I started playing Space Rogue, the uh, the Origin uh, RPG, and it's uh, you know fantastic game. There's um, you know f- uh, real like three D uh, space uh, battles, and then you land on space stations, and you can actually walk around in like a kind of an Ultima style. Uh, and it's it's a fantastic game. Uh, but, you know, there's this really intricate, elaborate uh, storyline with people you have to go talk to and things you have to go find. And everybody's talking to you and giving you all this information. And it's just sort of on you to remember it all. <laughs> and, you know, there's... Modern games are, you know, have journals and auto maps and, you know, a quest j- logs and achievement lists. And, you know, you don't have to write down or remember anything ever. And I think having been playing these modern games for so long, i have forgotten how much those old games required graph paper and note-taking and how much you were on your own for all that. So
0: Yeah, yeah modern was... games, you don't even have to play them. You can just come home and see how you did. Well, look at yeah. that, I'm doing well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Progress quest. Uh, how, about, uh, how about you, Mike? I think I left you out on this part. Uh, what are you uh, going back to and still playing?
3: Well, I, I'm playing uh, Wasteland in 2480. At the same time. <laughs> that's hardcore i my left hand is playing wasteland am i right <laughs> i uh i i don't know i i've tried to revisit some of the old infocom titles and the, the puzzles are just so like weird and and not related to anything at all other than you just happen to randomly be able to solve them that uh, some some of those games are very difficult i actually like blasphemy them. yeah i know i i well i really like the games that that Focus less on 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 the puzzles themselves and more on the storytelling, and so I really enjoy Mind Forever Voyaging. I've i played that a few times over the years, and it, it really holds holds up well. And and the other one is is Trinity, which is the story. It to, it allows you to play the story of uh, the atom bomb. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I guess if uh, if we're talking Infocom, that it, it would be a Mind for Voyaging and Trinity. I also like the um, Ultima series. I, I tend to skip, you know, Calibeth and and one and two because they just weren't very good. But uh, three is is a, a great uh, RPG if you're looking for a challenge. Very difficult. They kind of um, they, they made the gameplay less difficult, but the story more involved in Ultima Four. Um, so, um, if you're looking for a game to go back to and, and play, that's going to take you many, many hours to get through, uh, either one of those is great. Uh, wizardry, I like, I like those titles. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a large amount of games out there that have really held up. Um, and there are some that haven't, so.
2: Well, if you're talking about a game that you can just sit down and play through, it's gotta be, uh, Karateka or Karateka, however you
5: oh, decide yeah. to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that and Prince of Persia, the kind of, really quick action games that you don't have to you don't have to write stuff down you don't have to map things on graph paper um those are the ones where when i'm done testing something or i'm trying to make sure that this key works on the keyboard now or um that the disc controller that i just yanked out and plugged back in actually works that's the disc image that i'll go to as car and just say okay uh okay i'm gonna make sure that it works and then, the problem with testing with something like Prince of Persia
0: or Load Runner. Is I would that would be my afternoon. I would go, well, it's working, and I can't stop. Like those are so addictive. I just immediately get hooked. Oh, another one is um, Another World, which I think in the states was called Out of This World. Uh, that's another classic, phenomenal, amazing pick up and play game.
1: I didn't actually know that. Was that there was a version of that on the eight bits? Hmm. I didn't actually know that. I thought it was uh, like a sixteen bit game. Oh, I think. I think. It may have been the 2GS I played that on. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely on the 2GS. In fact, that was uh, Rebecca Heineman, in fact. Well, there you go. Fine, Carrington, Mr. The 2GS isn't a real Apple II, Vanston.
0: I still like it. It's just not an Apple II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it's got the gz in it.
1: Oh, Mike, I'm so glad you mentioned 2400 AD because that I, th- I feel like that's a, an underappreciated uh, RPG uh, on the eight bits. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it, it's one of my favorites. I, I like that game so much that I actually made a port of it uh, on the early <laughs> Macs. Uh, on uh, on a, there's a, a version of it that I wrote on my mom's PowerBook 100 um, that uh, nice, is nice still maker. out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: and that's what earned Quinn her second cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah i have a i have a file of origin cease and desist letters (laughs) actually (laughs) looking at i
0: think i've never played 2400 ad so oh really Hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna add that to my to playlist it is a great game awesome 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 awesome
1: yeah the world is very uh is very detailed and really well thought out uh there's uh, a lot of you know, there's trains and and the city has a kind of a. There's trains. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. I also haven't played either of the uh, Infocom games that Mike
2: recommended, so I will get around to them eventually. But well, I I look forward to uh, an unboxing and a playthrough on uh, the One Megahertz podcast. Um, I do actually have both of those boxed
0: too. Yeah, so I should unbox them.
1: One megahertz. Oh, that was that podcast that. Uh, yeah, mm, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore, does it?
0: My main motivation to bring it back is just so that you guys aren't the only Apple II podcasts. <laughs> it's my competitive nature is really the main reason I want to bring it back.
1: If that were true, you'd have brought it back a long time ago. Because Open Apple's still been here <laughs> this entire time that you have not been doing one megahertz. Just saying. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm giving you guys a head start. Lulling.
3: You, <laughs> you are years later.
1: I I can't imagine being much more lulled. <laughs> oh, you could be more lulled. <laughs> Lulling me to sleep. On that note, I'm going to roll a uh, rain it back in here. Uh, let's, so you guys are talking about Infocom. So I, I was never really like a big text adventure person because uh, I always got just buried in this, uh, you know, infuriating guess the verb game and puzzles that just made no sense. And I just I never really uh, enjoyed them that much. But, you know, I've been reading um, uh the Digital Antiquarian blog, which we've talked about a lot on the show, and, you know, he, he makes the these Infocom games sound so great, and so I kind of want to go play them again. So am, am I missing something here? Did I yes. play the wrong ones? Or, you, you know, were there, were there games where it really is just, uh, like, the puzzles are natural and you don't spend all your time fighting the parser? Because that's what I remember. Yes, Infocom
0: is way better at that than most of them, but there are certain Infocom games that are far better to start with than others because the more advanced ones are crazily difficult. And if you haven't already sort of immersed yourself in the in the easier ones so you get used to it, um, the more difficult ones are pretty much impossible. But if you start with something like... Um What's the murder? Moon Mist. Moon Mist is usually the one I recommend. That's the first one you should play because it's relatively easy. It's really straightforward. It has multiple endings, so it's fun if you want to take a couple of runs at it. Uh, and it can be done in just a couple of settings it's a relatively straightforward map with no weird hey you're in a maze and mapping's not going to work anymore nothing like that so it plays the most fair the puzzles are most linear everything makes sense Um, the feelings are good but not crazily necessary for it because it's mostly just letters and stuff so if you get just view versions on on a screen it's almost as good Um, so that's usually the one i would recommend people start with
1: Okay, it's a good tip. Yeah, I think most people's memories of Infocom is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was sort of or notor- Zork, which will
5: or any of these, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And Hitchhikers is so hard; like oh, it is it's just notoriously punishing.
1: Hard. Yeah,
2: yeah. But strangely, the only Infocom game that I ever actually finished.
1: <laughs> really? Oh. Wow! So, you, did you feed the dog? Because that's the thing that gets most people.
2: After about uh, probably a half dozen. Incidents of uh, uh, not feeding the dog. Yes. No, what got me was the
0: thing that your aunt gave you that you don't know what it is or whatever. Having to use, lose that with stuff in it so you can carry it in the room. Oh, like just impossible puzzles. In that. Well, I I say oh, yeah. I, I
2: say I finish it, but there's an asterisk after that. It was, it was me and probably two or three of my friends in third or fourth or fifth grade. I can't remember which, where we we basically would play it in the afternoons and then come back to school the next day. Oh, did you do this? Oh, I got to this place and it didn't do that, and then we'd sort of exchange hints and tips. And oh, but you got to do this for Marvin, and then um, so yeah the the idea of that th- that any one of us ever could have finished it is uh, misleading. We uh, we collaborated. It was an early it was an early, <laughs> early crowdsource collaboration, but still my favorite one.
1: I think that has to have been necessary back then. That sort of. You know, working together with people. I mean, before the internet, when you know, had no way to Google, you know, solutions, you get would get stuck on something for months at a time, and that was always where our, you know I would just get distracted and go do other things and never come back. So I think, yeah, if I had someone to play it with, then you might brainstorm the answers to some of these harder puzzles. Yeah, that uh, that game and
2: bureaucracy and a few others where it's not so much about mapping the maze or mm-hmm. oh, this door. Leads to this, but then I flip a switch and now it does something else where it's like, it's like mist where you flip a switch and something happens 20 screens away that you have to go back (laughs) Mm -hmm. and find. Um, The ones where you don't have to think about the map so much as the logic. And it's like, what's the weird bureaucracy is good if you don't want a map?
0: Yeah, bureaucracy, you barely move. Yeah. Uh, it's more just solve where you are and you'll <laughs> naturally go to another place. So, no, but it's good for that. Like some people hate the mapping stuff. So bureaucracy is good. Yeah, and it's My about, it's about reading and hard. figuring out
2: the logic and what the situation requires. Bureaucracy is also really hard though. Boy, you like the hard ones. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I was drawn more to the, the Douglas Adams and the humor.
3: It was based on his experiences uh, trying to get his address changed at the post office and them insisting that he was dead. Well, they're right. Well, now they are. Eventually, the post office is always. (laughs) They were playing the long game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Jimmy Mars got a great uh, article about bureaucracy on his blog uh, that we'll link to in the show notes. And yeah, I think the upshot of it is that that story is probably apocryphal that Douglas Adams kind of spun this yarn out of a minor inconvenience that he had with (laughs) a government office of some sort, and he spun it into this elaborate tale of woe, as as was uh, his style. I
3: can't say I'm surprised at all. <laughs> By the way, we were talking about like uh, hand mapping and, and stuff like that. And it's, that's not everyone's game to sit there and draw little squares and connecting lines and, and trying to, to uh, keep track of what's in each room and that sort of thing. And, and if you prefer a computer-based um, solution, there is a program called Trisbort. We talked about it way back when, um, in the early days of Open Apple. but it's a, a, a computer-based mapping solution that's set up specifically to help you map uh, RPGs and, and text adventures and things like that. And um, it is um, Windows only, but, you know, you can, I think it runs under Wine and a couple of other things, and it's freeware, so we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Boo, Windows. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh we've uh, we're coming up on an uh on a nice tidy hour here, possibly more. Um so uh let me uh start of s- start gradually wrapping things up here. I think uh I'm going to uh play a card from the uh <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> can everyone click no. Uh, I'm going to uh play a card from the uh hand of Kevin Savitz here. I'm going to go around the table. Um let's see. I'll start with uh Randy. We've been quiet in the corner there for a while. Is there any, uh, any closing thoughts or anything that I should have asked the group and didn't about uh, the current state of Apple II and uh, where we're headed and where we've been?
4: I guess my only uh, comment would be that uh, I was back in San Diego and uh, managed to have lunch with Alan and uh, had the opportunity to uh, see his box of or bucket, plastic bucket of Apple II stuff that he had not dug out in about a decade or, or two, maybe two decades. And so, uh, it was just a lot of fun to get together with a, a true legend like Alan, before whom I, uh, I am a little dust moat, and get to see his wonderful, uh, memories and, and pull out some of his old discs and relive some of those Beagle Brothers times and, Kind of get him excited again just about thinking a little bit about the Apple II and and on all the great memories we had back in San Diego. So that was probably one of my big highlights of 2015 was that time with Alan. And and he served me a very nice lunch.
1: (laughs) Your stories always have food in them. I'm a big fan Uh, of that. (laughs) Yeah, I
4: will work for food.
1: That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, just to reiterate, uh, Antoine, you better uh, show up at Kansas Fest. This is also what peer pressure sounds like.
2: And bring food.
1: Yes, bring yes, bring your your set of Olivier's, matching set. All right, uh, Charles, how about you? What uh, what haven't I asked the group about, or what any stories you want to share, or anything like that? Any uh, any further products you want to plug? Feel free. Uh,
2: I think everyone is um is pretty sauced by now um if they've been following along my drinking. They would game. have
3: to be. <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, if you've been listening this long, um, no, I think the I think the biggest looming shadow. Of Apple, do stuff that you have not mentioned in, in this year-end roundup is um, 4 a.m. Ah, yeah. I don't know if the if it's you know if his or her or its um, uh, emergence <laughs> came out. <laughs> in, definitely in, is <laughs> in uh, specifically 2015, but uh, definitely a big influence on the you know just the archiving and um, preservation. Aspect of the hobby is this, you know, mysterious four AM deprotecting things that have never been preserved before, and removing the cracks from things that the original has never been widely seen. Everyone had a hacked version that had no credits or no splash screen, or you know, uh, you couldn't get past level seven, and people just thought that was <laughs> normal. Um, so I think four AM is is probably the biggest development of 2015 that i i think we should we should definitely mention
1: yeah i'm glad you brought that up uh for anyone who's not on 4am's twitter feed you definitely should be because it's really fascinating reading um i'm always fascinated i mean the software itself is often strange educational things that you've never heard of conjugating spanish and such things but uh the copy (laughs) protection on them is always interesting even though the software is often not so uh uh, plus, if you uh, also uh, follow Kevin Savitz, you'll get uh, their hilarious uh, pun train every morning uh, as they uh, talk about the latest crack. So yeah, you're definitely uh, missing out if you're not following all of that. And uh, the preservation aspect you know, can't be understated. Uh, if there's a legacy of DRM, it's that it makes it very difficult to do history. And uh, we're in that window now where these floppies are dying and we're losing our chance to preserve all the software. So even if we don't care about spanish conjugation lessons someone in the future will and uh, so if, yeah if we don't preserve that stuff now uh, it's going to be gone
2: forever and it's not really so much about like the spanish conjugation part 3 or the uh, what was the, i think the latest one was a uh, um you know plant selecting you know selecting <laughs> yes. flowers for your flower garden um as much as the the protection schemes themselves are obviously Cracking them apart and pulling them apart as he does, and he writes them up with such um, depth and detail that it's you're learning about this whole subculture of of people that are protecting things and hacking them, and then cracking the cracks, and then um, you know this sort of cat and mouse game, and also at the same time learning better understanding how much more there is out there that hasn't even ever come back to the surface. You know, there's all these little programs like, you know, educational stuff that didn't get preserved because it wasn't popular. It wasn't something you download from the BBS. And we don't even know how much we're missing that's out there. That could be, you know, some of the, the, the first work of someone who's, you know, relatively famous now, or the, the early work of someone who could have been a great, developer if they'd only been discovered or you know some strange you know obsessive protection scheme that you know has brilliance in it and you know the the eloquence of the way that it's written and you know it because it worked so well nobody could ever hack it and it didn't ever get preserved that kind of stuff is just still hiding out there in these floppies in these attics and you know crates and places that you know they Resurface on eBay and in garage sales and whatnot, and there's all these little nuggets that are still out there that you don't even know. We don't even know how much there is.
1: Yeah, it's very true. And uh, one of 4AM's mantras is, is that copy protection works. Uh, you know, it made all this, especially with educational stuff and productivity stuff. It made this stuff just annoying enough to copy that 99% of people don't bother. And uh, so, yeah, you know, all these years later, this stuff still never been cracked. And uh, yeah, you can see the history there, you know, a lot of these companies bought their copy protection from, you know, a, an outsourcer and so you'll see, you can kind of see these, these business relationships behind the scenes by following the archaeological trail of the copy protection, you know, you can see all these small educational companies that all used, you know, the E7, which, what's what's called bit framing uh, system. And so you know that they all bought it from somebody because none of them would have bothered to develop that. So uh yeah, there's there's history hiding in uh, in all this stuff. And yeah, I like your point about these sort of undiscovered programmers. I'm often surprised looking for AM's cracks, he's always always got screenshots in there and stuff, and I'm always surprised how good some of that stuff looks. You know, some of this wacky, small niche educational software actually has some really great graphics in some many cases. So someone, you know, someone put some love into that stuff. It was
2: a big market back in the day and they bought, you know, enough for a whole school system as opposed to just one desktop and so it it made sense to put money into it and yeah. to protect yeah, sure. it, obviously.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, good addition to the show. Uh, let's see. Carrington, what haven't I asked you that I should have?
3: Uh,
0: just about, you know, how I'm doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask you that for a reason because
0: I don't want to know. <laughs> um, for me, I guess the two things we haven't discussed that that sort of were big deals for me this year in Apple II is, one, how many pieces of Apple II, mostly games, but how many pieces of Apple II software have made their way onto iOS, so I have them with me all the time. I mean, the big one this year was the I.O. Silver remake, you know, speaking mm-hmm. of the Broderbund connection stuff, but also there's so many things I now have on my phone that are pick and play games. Uh, Prince of Persia and Calabeth and, and Pirates and Mystery House and just so many things. It's just great to walk around with them, so that's been a big difference between recently and a couple years ago.
3: Broderbund, how dare you? I.O. Silver was Bigger Brothers.
0: Uh, Oh, sorry, I meant meant Bigger Brothers. I was thinking of Broderbund for, um, uh, I think, the other thing that I want to talk about, which is a guest you had on Midsummer, who blew my mind, which was uh, Leigh Nooney. Holy cow. And I have subsequently followed her stuff and followed her on Twitter. And her research into uh, Mike Broderbund and Sierra (laughs) Online (laughs) is just so phenomenal and so you know, just brain exploding and this whole idea of the effects of the computer microcomputer revolution, you know, on domestic life and where the furniture goes and and those things that were so massive and I never even thought of (laughs) and yet I lived through them and had such resonance and effect. It's crazy that I never even noticed. Um, So that was my big brain explosion this year was Lane Nooney. Um, And I have just sort of enjoyed following her on Twitter and, and just following this stuff ever since. And so it's just phenomenal stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was not only my the most interesting conversation about printer stands that I've ever had, uh, <laughs> but also by far my favorite interview of the year that we did. So thank you for mentioning that. Uh, so I think it's my
0: favorite tour. Apple II type interview probably ever. Like I could not believe how good that
1: was and, and how amazing she is. Yeah, well, credit Mike for uh, finding that one. Well,
3: and you can always tell when she's flown back out to to have another round of face-to-face talks with the uh, Sierra online folks because she starts posting these really great photos of of, you know, internal documentation and, and because she's so effusive and, and enthusiastic about it, it's just it's a wonderful experience following her on Twitter. And if you if you're not, you're really missing out.
1: Yep. Yeah, and the uh the the behind the scenes photos of that soft porn photo shooter <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I uh, the one thing that we didn't talk about that that I think um, well one of the things that we didn't talk about that I think we should at least mention was that uh, you know Opus Two is now um, reliably available again thanks to uh, our, our previous podcast host Ken Gagney over at uh, Juiced.gs, uh, GS and uh, which I think is. is under his GameBits uh, corporate umbrella of domination, uh, <laughs> so so you can buy those and download them now from from Ken. And uh, thanks to Ken and Mike Westerfield for uh, getting their heads together and making that happen.
1: Excellent. Yeah, and that reminds me, uh, another connection there. Juice GS and Four AM. Uh, they're uh, they're doing an interview in Juice GS uh, with Four AM, and it's kind of a, a community sourced one. So every, uh, there's a bunch of different people in the community who are asking different questions. So uh, it should be a really good read. I did want to say
3: um, boo 4am uh, because they have deigned not to appear on our podcast and therefore <laughs> boo I say and I will continue to say it until 4am comes and does an interview with us.
1: Yeah, we, we offered shadowy lighting and stuff. <laughs> we did.
2: <laughs> maybe, my, maybe my text-to-speech engine would work for that. He can, he can um, type oh, it yeah, on. Oh, yeah, there to, you go. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and reveal my personal theory about 4 a.m. I know I've said before that I thought maybe it was a, a whole Dread Pirate Roberts sort of thing um, <laughs> where he passes the hat on to someone else. But but my, my it's current... It's like 10 different people. Yes, it is. It, with with one very cohesive writing style.
5: <laughs>
2: I personally think now, uh, I've done the research, I've looked into it. I think he's a Terminator sent from the future. Mm-hmm. He's running an sense. advanced Skynet operating system on a massively parallel 6502 uh, hardware platform, um, sixty-five CO two. Oh, 65 CO two. Okay, <laughs> of course. I mean, well, I'm sure there's. I'm sure they had to. Have, they had to have uh, upgraded it at some point. But yeah, the,
1: he was all oh, about that STZ instruction. Really
2: yeah, back in time to learn the secrets of of assembly from you know the master hackers of the 80s, and having learned their tricks, he's now systematically removing them and their copy protection schemes from the historic record so uh-huh. that Skynet can emerge and no one will know how to protect themselves from the creeping tendrils of Skynet and its 6502-based distributed operating system.
0: May I just add that the phrase, learn the secrets of assembly from the master hackers of the 80s, I need to watch that movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and I will say that that logic is flawless, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs>
2: on a slightly more serious note i know that i'm going to um, go ahead and say it boo atari um boo commodore <laughs> but is there someone or someone's like that f- that's doing the same sort of effort for commodore or atari or other operating systems that maybe don't have as as you know apple centric a bent yeah it's
1: a, it's a good question i I have heard people in other communities bemoan the lack of a 4 a. Um uh, but I, I do also think <laughs> that they probably <laughs> they probably have a slightly less of an issue in this area because the you know the educational software market, for example, was so big on the Apple II and the productivity software market was so big that there's so much of that software that wasn't cracked. Whereas, you know, like the Commodore 64, let's be honest, the market's probably, you know, 98% games and those all got cracked. So I think they probably have less, a little less of a preservation challenge. But that, you know, that might just be my my apple to myopia speaking as well. So if we have and the hardware was different.
2: Part of the the issue was that the 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 disk controller was so dependent on the CPU, and you could do so many tricks with it that the protection schemes could fiddle with the disk in ways that other Hardware and operating systems couldn't, so it mm-hmm. it may yeah. just be that part of that is that oh once the, once the drive itself was better understood, the crackers and can just go in and, and deprotect anything, whereas there was so much done at the software level that you need a 4 a.m. you need a, um, the disassembly genie to um, pull the bits apart and understand all the nibbles.
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. You know, every platform had copy protection, but the Apple II, it was a whole different world. You know, yeah, considering how, what fine grained control you had of, of the drive uh, with, with the CPU, you could just do crazy magic tricks that you know like like the e7 you know bit framing trick we've talked about and spiral tracking and half track and quarter tracking and adding sectors and doing all sorts of other craziness that just yeah when you have total control of the drive it's becomes this elaborate cat and mouse game that i don't i don't think the other platforms had nearly as much of
2: well i for one i'm looking forward to the juice gs interview
1: Mm-hmm. should be a good read
3: indeed you know um one thing that i think we um i'm um, for, um. Well, almost forgot to mention. Um, that was important this year was the release of the uh, the GSOS updates to six hundred two and mm-hmm. six hundred three. Have any Have
1: any of you guys had a chance to play with those? My GS is still in a box in my mom's basement, so no. <laughs> Carrington, have you?
0: My TGS is in a box in Quinn's mom's basement. <laughs> Quinn's mom is taking everybody's GS. Quinn's
3: mom is really mean. She's <laughs> away from this. In it. the 2GS anyway. So.
0: Yeah, 2GS, whatever. Uh, it's
2: yeah, it's weird, eight more, bit, weird, it's eight more bits than he needs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then he knows what to do with. There's a difference.
3: <laughs> Randy, have you? Have you you're, you're a big 2GS uh, fan. Have you seen these updates? As soon
4: as I uh, get back to Canada this uh, summer, I'm going to try to get my 2GS out of that basement.
5: <laughs>
3: man
4: it's it's really okay. gonna have to talk to my mom it's an epidemic man it has gone way running, way, running too far, there. way too far way too far this has to stop now how
1: does she know all of you
4: 2016 is going to be the year the two gs's are liberated free the basement
0: computers <laughs> we have to hold um canada fest and all of us just converge on the donkey That's ocean. right
4: c c fest instead of k fest um, I, I have not run into that, uh, Mike, so I would, uh, I'd be curious, but, uh, have not actually had any experience with that as of yet.
3: Okay. Well, then I guess it wasn't that significant.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not to understate, it is really cool that, uh, that the fan mm-hmm. community picked up an official Apple product 25 years after the fact and, uh, and fixed it and have started adding to it. That's, uh, that's really cool. So take that Commodore.
2: And didn't get cease and desisted out of existence. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're still flying under the radar with some of this stuff. Uh, Hopefully it'll stay that way. I guess that's one advantage to the Commodore community. Their company doesn't exist anymore, so they don't have to worry about (laughs) annoying anybody.
4: I'm just still trying to figure out how can you have a podcast if you want to fly under the radar.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well yeah they don't seem to bother us too much here, although uh, we did try to make t-shirts, and uh, they got rejected by so far two of those online t-shirt companies uh, because they auto detect the Apple logo uh, that's buried inside the open Apple logo. and uh, so uh, yeah, they reject it for copyright violation. So we're uh, people have asked for open Apple t-shirts and we're struggling to find a way to make them because all these services will reject it. Uh, so that's a well, work your in podcast
2: at least is listed on. Uh, the iTunes podcast listing with with that logo on it I submitted my Mm -hmm. uh, my podcast with what's essentially a a photoshopped image of an Apple II badge and they rejected it immediately because it contained really the Apple logo Wow! I think so it was it was rejected so quickly that I think there was an algorithm involved
1: Probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. I guess maybe they thought was... you were too close to Open Apple. Like, <laughs> That's, no. right. That's right. They're protecting. <laughs> yeah, it was us. actually us. Yeah, we wrote the C and D. Actually, that was that was me. Uh, I just changed the names on the origin ones and four of them too uh, <laughs> to Charles. Yeah, it's possible that, uh, I mean, the Apple in our logo is, it's small and kind of at a weird angle and kind of in the corner. So maybe it sneaks through some of their algorithm. Although we did try to update it a while back. We tried to add the colored stripes to it and uh, it never did show up in my feed with the updated logo. Hmm. I don't know if Mike, you've seen the updated one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah.
3: It just doesn't like you.
1: Yeah, a few people do. <laughs>
3: And yet still don't all jump in too. at
1: once to, <laughs> to, to, to correct me on that.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry, we won't.
1: <sighs> well, on that note, uh, I guess I guess we know why I'm the one who gets the hate mail. On that uh, on that sunny note, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you all for being with us tonight. This has been an amazing 2015 for the Apple II and for the Apple II community, and uh, an awesome year for Open Apple Podcast. So uh, uh, on that note, I think we'll bid you all adieu and uh, <laughs> happy holidays and uh, happy New Year.
0: This has been the Open Apple podcast. Subscribe to us in iTunes. Or visit us at open-apple.net, where you can browse our extensive catalogue of past episodes or read our blog. If you like what you've heard today, or even if you didn't, your comments, questions or ideas are always welcome. Send them to feedback at open-apple.net. I'm hearing um, major mic banging. Is that at my end? A major what? No. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Mike thumping. That doesn't sound any better. (laughs) I'm hearing something to do with Mike and it's bugging me.